Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rival's pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step to 53342. New York, call the 24-7 Hope Line at 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Wise, and finally back from his siesta in Madrid. My guy and yours, Nando Vila, on the west side of Los Angeles. What's going on, brother? Not much, man. I'm sorry I missed a couple shows. Uh, I was traveling to the other side of the world, uh, and then I got COVID, dude. I got COVID in Spain. COVID's still a thing, dude. Watch out for it. I got it. It was pretty bad, uh, mm. but I survived. I listened to your episode with Ben. You know, that was fun stuff, man. You were fired up in that episode. You were fired up in yeah, a way yeah, that yeah. you weren't 
It's it's one of those things, these these New York City things can <laughs> can drive me crazy at times, <laughs> um, especially when it comes to online discourse. And you know, just to uh, just not to to harp on that, like, because, uh, you know, anybody who listens to that know, like, you know, I'm not dissing Emma or anybody at majority. That's my family. I love yeah. those people. But like a part of it for me is like these like delicate ways of talking about New York City, which is one of the most indelicate places in the fucking country. It's just like it just makes my brain want to explode. It's just like. Bruh, like you mother, y'all live in New York. Like, if you don't live in New York, you might not understand, but like, it's a fucking insane place. So, to be like, no, and this and that, like, you can't survive on that shit out there. You'll get eaten alive, man. And so, yeah, that's why I was pretty fired up. But today's topic actually has me pretty fired up, too, man. Um, we're going to get into. Manchester City, unfortunately, Fernando defeating <laughs> his side, uh, demolishing them really in the Champions yeah. League semifinal. I want to get into that at the end of the show. Uh, we're going to finally get into soccer corner <laughs> at some point here. But the, the stuff that's dominating the news right now, obviously, Nando, is the debt ceiling, quote unquote, showdown between Joe Biden and the House um, Republicans, Kevin McCarthy and his band of fucking misfits. Um, I'm not going to lie. I've ignored this thing mostly because I'm like, don't we do this every year now? Like, don't we end up just yeah. raising this thing? Yeah. Like they do this whole, oh, play chicken gun to your head, blah, blah, blah. And then we just raise it. Like, it's stupid that we're doing it this way. Like, um, there's gotta be a smarter way to run our government and blah, 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 blah. But like, I'm completely ignoring this thing, but you know, um, you actually put, um, brought to my attention. There's something different going on this time in the way that oh, yeah. Biden actually is being a cuck and wants to capitulate to these GOP idiots who have no leverage. They have no, they, they don't have a leg to stand on here. And just to, to sort of summarize this thing for people, we need the votes to agree to, to raise the debt ceiling limit so that we could pay our bills. And again, these are bills we've already accrued. This is not future spending. This is not blah. These is things that we've already as a country agreed to pay for. That's, that's key in noting there. Like we've, <laughs> this is not like, Oh, like we're piling on pork and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Like we've already decided and um, we're we're paying for this stuff. Like this is from the past. This is this is stuff that we owe. It's not new expenses we're incurring. And so the GOP is like, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna default on. We're gonna force a default unless you cut spending in the future elsewhere. And here's here's why this is stupid. And Nando can get into why Joe Biden is an idiot for even considering a capitulation here. Um, they're trying to frame this as this is regular government horse racing, horse trading thing. Like you get something, I get yeah. something and blah, blah, blah. But that's not what this is. This isn't the Democrats getting something. This is bills being allocated, resources being allocated to, to things that Republicans and Democrats agreed to pay for in the past. This isn't some Democratic debt ceiling lift. It's both of their thing. So this thing that we're already supposed to be doing cannot be used as a negotiation 
from the Republicans to get, it doesn't make sense. You you can't get more from something we're already supposed to be doing. If you want to negotiate but, about um, uh, slashing things of this, bring up a bill, let's negotiate on it, and let's do it that way. This is, this is obscene. But this, so the thing is, the problem is that the GOP does have leverage, right? And mm. the thing is that they, what the leverage that they have is that they're willing to tank the global economy to get what they want, right? I mean, it's it's a game of chicken, really, because I mean, no, it's never happened. The United States has never defaulted on their debts, and it's like, it's kind of like when you if you default on your loans and you 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 get a ding you get dinged on your credit score, right? Like that's the that's mm -hmm. the issue. And what what the problem is if the United States, which you know is the the issuer of the currency of that the world, sustains the entire global <laughs> economy, like if the United States fucking defaults and gets gets their credit rating lowered as a result it could throw like all financial markets and the world economy into an absolute tailspin it no one really knows exactly how it would happen because it's never happened before but like i don't know economists say that it would be like absolutely devastating so the gop sees that and they're like great we're down to do that you know and then the democrats are like we're not down to do that and then the gop is like okay well we're going to we're going to make you do these all these insane things like, I just want to read a few, just a few things, like just a few little stats that, you know, uh, that, that are, that, that are, uh, that the GOP wants to do. For example, if they got their way on the debt ceiling, uh, 200,000 children would be kicked off of Head Start. Just 200,000 kids, you know, just get like any some anti poverty. 640,000 families lose rental assistance, you know? Uh, 430,000 families face eviction, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, we'll kick half a million people out of their homes which is fucking an insane amount of people to do in, in one, like in one fell swoop in order to get what they want. Now, the problem is that the Democrats, it's not so much the issue in this current debt ceiling fight, right? Although obviously that's, that's where we are. The problem is that when the Republicans are in part are in power, like when Trump was in power, they raise the debt ceiling, like because the Democrats aren't willing to play hardball as well. You know what I mean? Like they, the Dem the Republicans know that when they control the House and there's a Democratic president, if they threaten to withhold the debt ceiling raise, the person who's going to get blamed is Joe Biden. You know what I mean? So they they see that they're like, great, we can just fucking tank Joe Biden. You know what I mean? Um, whereas the Democrats, when the when the Republicans are in power, they don't do that. They don't because like, the Democrats controlled the Congress during during Trump, and they could have they could have withheld their debt ceiling vote, and it would have and Trump would have been would have fucking panicked and given them whatever they wanted. You know what I mean? So like it, they, it isn't it isn't equivalent in that sense. And what the Democrats are talking about is just completely, you know, going down the drain. And the thing is, they could essentially just raise the debt ceiling without asking the Republicans. Yeah, they could just do it by executive authority and then dare them to make a Supreme Court challenge or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and then see what happens. You know what I mean? And then, and then they, if the, and the thing is, like, if the Supreme Court did even rule it unconstitutional, and then we delegitimize the their asses. Like, <laughs> then we're like, no, fuck you, I don't give a shit. You know, there's no like, what is the Supreme Court going to send the fucking police to arrest the president? Like, that's not. They, they can't do that. You know what I mean? Like, they, the the president can ignore these things if they wanted to. Instead, what they're going to do is kick five hundred thousand people out of their homes. Just incredible um and there's no sign that joe biden and them are gonna have the stones to do something about this and just like 
And here's the thing. It's just so funny. Like, the, the, like the, the times that these people pretend to care about parliamentary, you know, norms and the, the government and this is what we do here. Whereas, like, Donald Trump would just come out and be like, these sicko Democrats are trying to kick my people out? Hell no. It's not happening. I'm stepping up. And it's not going to happen to my people. These people are insane. They're crazy. Go check the track record. It's never happened before. I'm stepping up. I'm not letting them do this. And you know what I mean? And matter of fact, I'm campaigning on this. Remember that time these psychos tried to do this in order to kick starving babies off a snap and all of this other stuff? Step up to the plate and be like, sue me. Take me to court. And again, the Supreme Court, you can be laid bare, motherfuckers. Like, you guys wanted to tank the global <coughs> economy. Like, and, like, and, but again, that's a secondary uh, sort of um, concern than actual Americans who tomorrow will be fucked by it. Like, the next day yeah. will be fucked up by it. Whereas, you know, the global economy and the way that it spins and whatever, like, eventually yeah. will be fucked, but it's not going to be immediate. Whereas, like, yo, like, actual people in our country um, will be affected. But again, like, Joe Biden would never come out and be a strong man that way. Like, he just wouldn't. Where the Republicans just do it all the time. Who did Trump consult with when he did the Muslim ban? He just, fuck it. Muslims ain't allowed in this fucking country no more. All right, cool. Well, but not, a, more, or a more salient example would be, like, you know, the... Uh, the, the 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 Fed chair is a guy named Jerome Powell, who was the same guy that Trump, when Trump was there. Jerome Powell during the Biden presidency has raised interest rates like four or five times, which has basically harmed the the Biden economy, for lack of a better yeah. term. I mean, look at fucking Silicon Valley; it's all fucking going down the drain. Mm-hmm. Hollywood, it's like it fucking people are being laid off like like crazy. That's a direct result of the increase in interest rates. Trump has said publicly, and he's right about this, that Powell didn't raise the interest rates while he was president because he told him, I'd fire, I'll fire you if you do that. The president <laughs> can't fire it. the Fed chair. You know, he can do it. It's just that Biden won't do it because it's like, it's just not done. Like, it's just not, yeah. you're not supposed to, but there's no law that says you can't do it. Bro, you know, remember when Trump like, fired that FBI guy? Like, Trump was just firing people. He's just like, fuck yeah. you. I don't care how it looks. I don't like you. This is my presidency. If it's within my right to do it, I do it. Period. I remember people like, oh, the FBI is investigating him. The DOJ, and he can't just fire Rubenstein. Or what was the little dorky dude in the DOJ? He can't just do that. That's just yeah. tantamount to corruption. And it happened. And guess what? Nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing fucking happened. Everybody yeah. just moved on. It's just absurd. Well, it's a- <laughs> No, it's just you like what the, the big in politics is that I told him I'd fire his ass. Yeah, if he <laughs> said that. <laughs> and he's right. But guess what, Nando? That's why people like Trump. That's yeah. what they like him for. He's a doer. That's what they like him for, bro. Even if you could say, oh, it's bullshit. He didn't really build a wall and he didn't really do this or blah, 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 blah. But he did a whole bunch of other shit. Like I said, the Muslim ban, motherfuckers was like, yeah, he told Muslims not to come back into the country. Eventually, of course, the law had to whatever and blah, blah, blah. But like, he would just come out and do shit. Like the idea that Joe Biden would actually just sit on his hands and be like, oh, you guys are being bad. So I'm just going to give you the candy anyway. 
Like, nah, kid, I'm taking my belt and I'm whooping your ass, boy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking you to the woodshed, kid. That's what I was gonna say. Is like the the, the big imba- one of the big imbalances, and this is in American politics, and it's like it's just a this is like the most bare example of it is that Democrats still follow something called norms, which is basically just how things have always been done, which is there's no law, there's no nothing, there's no there's no it's just norms. It's this vague thing called norms. Should should societies follow norms? Yes. But we're in a situation where we have two parties, and one of the parties says, fuck the norms. I'm just we'll going to, like... We'll make new norms. We'll make new... Well, I'm just going to go up to the edge of what the law allows, and sometimes even go beyond it. But, like, I'm towing that, you know, I'm on the edge. Democrats don't even go there. They just, like, if there's a if there's a big norm that they can't violate, then it doesn't take them to the edge of the law, they won't even do it. So Republicans just have a huge leg up in any kind of standoff and negotiation is, like, they're willing to do shit that just isn't done, and that's fine. And they're just willing to make up new norms. The Democrats are just like, oh, no, but, like, uh, you know, Tip O'Neill didn't do this in, uh, you know, in, bro, in 1985, you know? Bro, Nando, we're talking about the debt ceiling. It's never been done this way before. Yeah. There was a norm, yeah. and the Republicans said, we're gonna ma- we're making a new norm. When we're right. in power... And there's a we're Democrat not going to raise this power. shit until, until we extract. Yeah, until we extract concessions. Something. Fuck you yeah. guys. Fuck it. This Democrats is the new don't do that. Now. They don't. They, yeah. they they refuse to. And again, this is not some. There's no law in place. There's no like. They're just doing what's what's in the toolkit to be used. You know. And that's the difference between these cats, man. Like they will do every single dirty tactic that there is because it's like fuck it. It's what we got. We're not in the seat of the presidency. We don't have the Senate. This is what we got. And this is how we could cut social spending. And that, by the way, that's what it, this is in service of. This is that's the, the sad truth about it. They and that's and, and Joe Biden won't like these motherfuckers won't even come out and attack them on the merits. Like, like, like at least if they were doing that, to be like, bro, the shit that they're fighting for is good for who? It's good for a few fat cats and nobody else. Like, they won't even come out and attack it on the merits, which makes me think, like, they don't want this shit anyway. Yeah. Because no, besides just because instead of fighting for some idea of norms that Americans have demonstrated, they don't give a fuck. They elected Donald Trump. They don't care about your established Washingtonian-ass norms, bro. Like, nobody cares about these institutional norms. Nobody. We, Son, we elected Donald Trump once. We damn near did it again, twice. That's the, you know, the sort of, like, lack of humbling that the Democrats <laughs> And we may do it again. Have. And we may do it again. again. And but yet y'all want to fight on the concept of norms instead of just attacking what it is they actually want in the first place, which you could actually reach people behind to be like, okay, here's the thing that these people are willing to crash the economy for so that these so that like 40 dudes lives can be better, period. Like they won't even make that case. That's that's the most pathetic part about these and fools. Was no the only thing they can do. Like, did you guys t- did you talk about it in any episode that I was gone? Like the this like the backlash to the CNN town hall with Trump. I I mean I, I didn't watch the town hall. I didn't watch. No, I didn't watch it either. I didn't watch it either. But like there was this huge kind of liberal backlash to it. Like 
people are like unsubscribing from CNN and they're like, I see that. How could you do this? And, for what? And, blah, blah, blah. and they're making, well, they're making the biggest, they're making the same mistake they've always done with Trump, which is like, they blame, they blame the, the media's coverage of Trump for his rise and for his power. And the only thing that they're doing by, by reacting that way is giving him more power. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're turning him into this magical being that can't even be exposed to people. Can't even be like put on a fucking television network. Right. You know what I mean? Like that you if can't people even, see like, him on like, TV, they can't be convinced that he's not great. Exactly. Like or and they can't and they can't figure out like what, you know, like what they how do you how do you find some sort of other, you know, some sort of counterbalance to that? Like they can't their only response is like, how dare you CNN platform? A guy who was the president and is running for president? Like, what? It's completely it's, it's legitimate absurd. news. It's a completely it's legitimate news and he, issue. And he's, you know? he's the guy. He's not some... So I can understand if it was like, you know, some fringe Republican candidate and he's like espousing these fringe-ass views and CNN is quote-unquote platforming him. Which, by the way, um, these, these networks platform fringe candidates all the time. They just happen to be gushy centrist. But whatever, you know, who cares? Um, they platform people that nobody gives a fuck about all the time. However, this dude is like, he's like got 60%. Um, he's polling at like 60% right now for the Republican primary. He's the guy. He's the guy from actual people and voters. So like this whole deplatforming shit is absurd. He's going to run, and he has a massive base of support. You can't ignore what's actually happening. And it's again, instead of going at Trump on the merits, they just they just can't do it. It's always this squishy-ass pie-in-the-sky shit, which, again, nobody gives a shit about. Everybody hates every institution on Earth. Possibly... I think a lot of it does have to do with how navel-gazy and self-referential you guys are and how in a bubble you guys are, that you think that actual people outside of your um, circumstances actually give a fuck about this shit. Yeah. No, I think that's 100% right. I mean, I found the I found the reaction. I mean, I used to be a you know in the news business and a journalist and all that stuff, and, like, to see journalists say that, too, I was, like, very kind of dismayed by it. Like, I don't know, have some confidence, have some self-confidence, have some self-worth, like know that you can like, I don't know, handle this. It's not that, that, that there's a, that there's, well, know that, that there's the a American case to public be made. Can, can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. There's just contempt. Like the, the, oh, the little rubes, they can't be exposed. It's like the rubes can't be exposed to the bad man because they're going to be, they're going to be tricked into voting him or whatever. And it's like, it shows just contempt for the audience. It's why they hate. It's why like the people hate the fucking news business. I mean, it's like, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it was really, it was really mystifying. And uh, I, I hadn't talked about it with anyone. And I was like, man, maybe I'll just like talk about it with lots. Cause I know you, I know you'd be on the same I part. mean, I, I honestly, like the Trump, t- I ignored it. I didn't, I didn't read the No, I didn't watch from- it. Hello listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. 
You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. I didn't, I didn't, um, like pay attention. I'm like, what do you like? I understand that people like, oh, because I got like, because you know, I'm subscribed to the New Yorker and I'm subscribed to New York Mag and shit like that. So, so well, you know, let me get a password, dude. Sometimes I gotta, you know, I got you. You know, my tastes are highbrow. We're not gonna apologize for that, Nando. But no. But no, you get the, you get the emails, and of course, you know New York Mag has the Intelligentsia, and um, um, fucking the New Yorker has a bunch of overtly political writers and whatever. And one of the emails was like, the woman who tried, the woman I forget her name, such and such tried to fact check check Trump, oh, yeah. comma, but she couldn't. And it yeah. was like this thing of just like, oh, the second you let Trump be on TV, he just steamrolled the bags yeah. and this. And it's just like, who gives a shit, bro? Everybody knows this guy's shtick, and he already lost once. And he already lost him yeah. some midterms. Like, guys, like, goddamn. So scary. You know who that chick was, by the way? You know who that woman was? Caitlin Collins? Mm. Do you know this? So she's like the new CNN woman. She uh, she's gonna be the new uh, primetime host. <laughs> you know where she was before? She was mm. the White House correspondent for the Daily Caller, which is uh, Tucker Carlson's. Uh, uh, oh um, shit! Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tucker Carlson's oh media. She was she was at the Daily Caller for like three or four years. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that means she's fully qualified for that gig. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, the Democrats continue to Democrat. Um, hopefully, maybe at the last minute, they'll come to their goddamn senses and do what, you know, um, is right here and just tell these yeah. people to go fuck themselves. But you can never actually rely on upon these people to do so, especially the people that are in Biden's ear. It's just like just the path of least resistance at all times, so long as the money. So, bro, I sent you that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, bro. So I guess I think the debt ceiling is what would threaten like the ability to send more um, military aid to to Ukraine. Ukraine. And this is how these fuckers find This is where their ingenuity is. So because the debt ceiling is threatening it, the fucking Pentagon was like, oh, no, nah, we found like an extra three billion underneath the cushion. It was like an accountant error. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so yeah. Pew, 
They figured yeah. out a solution. Yeah. And it's just like, like yeah. that. They just, just like that, they figure it out. And, you know, the part of it, and, and of course, if you listen to Woke Bros or you watch Woke Bros, like, you guys are savvy enough to understand this. But, like, how this shit never gets framed is that that $3 billion gets paid out to a private actor, a private yeah. entity, who then supplies the Ukraine. Like, yeah. never take that out of the equation. Like, it, like these weapons... And they take and a VIG on it. At, at the very least, they take a VIG on it, you know? Like, a percentage of that just goes straight into their pocket, you know? Bruh, like, of, the, of that private bruh, entity. Of, bruh. Yeah. Bruh, yeah. like, the, just never forget that the... Like... An actual, be you know how like people are so conscious of, I'm going to take my business elsewhere, blah, blah, blah. They're always so conscious about who's getting money for what and who, like where people are able to get their profits from. People always think they're going to withhold their money and blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. like, why don't we have that mentality towards the weapons manufacturers and be like, why do we, why do you get to stay afloat off of our fucking money just like that? Like your bottom line is actually all us. It's all tax paying money to a yeah. private like that's that's what I think people need to sort of it's a transfer of wealth from the public, from taxpayers yes, to, to the owners of a handful of companies that just put it, it in their pocket. That's all it is. And I don't think like we get so thoroughly propagandized on, um, you know, corporate news media where it's like, well, dude, oh, we're sending the this money. That... We're going to help these little babies in Ukraine and <laughs> yeah. blah, blah, blah. Well, well, so they, the, when they see the that big... three billion Nando, they're thinking about these refugee people, these people been displaced by the war. They're like, oh, this three billion is going right to that. And it's like, yeah. no, 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 it's going to Lockheed, bro. It's going to Boeing. Yeah. It's going to the weapons manufacturers. Yeah. No, one of the clips from the town hall, from the CNN town hall, that was like, that made liberals really, really mad was that they kept on asking Trump if he wanted Ukraine to win the war. And he it's wouldn't say, well, he would say, I want to. I want to find he was he, his answer actually makes him sound more reasonable and it makes the other people sound insane which is like right. he's like my priority would be as president to end the war in the quickest safest way possible essentially and they're like but do you want Ukraine to win the war as if it was like you know do you want the heat or the Celtics to win in the Eastern Conference finals you know what I mean like what? it's like no, no no that's not how the fucking world works like you don't have to like just because you want them to win or whatever doesn't mean you know what that, that is. The, you know that's you know that's World War Two brain. You know yeah, it's this exactly. idea of there's like the axis. You know the yeah. axis of the evil and the allies. Yeah, yeah it's, the good it's, guys it's, and the bad guys. That's all that is. Um, but yeah, it's just just so people understand like. It's just like, oh, the White House said there was an account error at the Pentagon. And just like that, yeah. Ukraine money will not be affected. Just like that. Just so, like, that's all you need to know about these fuckers in the Democratic Party. Like, whatever. That shit made me sick. Anyway, I'm moving gears, man, to, to happier things for me anyway. Um, second leg of the Champions League happened yeah. last night, yesterday. Uh, at the Etihad, just complete domination by Man City. Um, to be honest, man, fucking Real just looked out of sorts. They looked shell-shocked. Like, they they had so much beautiful movement and passing and creativity uh, in Madrid for the first leg that just was not present 
um, yeah. in this second match, and they got overwhelmed and Pep, <laughs> you know, was in the final. Um, and yeah, like Man City has never won the Champions League finals. Like the only thing that's basically eluded them since the, the oil money came in. And so they move on and they're going to play Inter. But what I wanted to talk to you about is not so much that match, but you were the first person to explain to me like the concept of Pep always overthinking things in these crucial yeah. Champions League's moments because he just wants it so fucking badly, right? And today I read an article in the um, Athletic and they were, because, and a lot of times in, in ways that actually make sense, there are these parallels between basketball and soccer. And in the article, the homie's talking about the gravity that Manchester City, a, a lot of Manchester City's best players possess. Uh, and if you watch, the, pay attention to the NBA, the gravity is essentially the um, the gravitational pull that you have towards defenders, whether you have the ball or not. Defenders perceive you as such a threat that they will not leave your side, thereby not being able to extinguish threats in at other places on the field or in soccer on the pitch. Um, and, you know, the article goes on to explain that, like, Grealish with his dribbling um, is, is, is a very magnetic force um, as, as far as the amount of defensive attention he can um, – um, he can garner same thing with De Bruyne with his passing. And then, of course, uh, um, fucking Holland in the box with his finishing. Like, you just cannot leave his side. And so because people are so scared to deal with these guys in the one-on-one -on -one and they're diverting all of these resources, what it does is it creates all this massive space where, you know, Bernardo Silva's coming in and he's fucking heading in a fucking rebound where nobody's there. There's a wide open ass space because of, you know, um, the defense is so is spread so thin because of these other threats. And what the guy said ultimately with his point was he's like, it's so ironic that like Pep has basically, this is his best juggernaut and it's the most simplified yeah. version. Whereas back in the days, he had guys coming and darting in the spots spontaneously yeah. and it was this beautiful timing and it was like this whirling thing. And so that's why I wanted to get your opinion, Nando, about like what he's doing differently now as opposed to like the hyper complicated shit that he used to do. Well, he's definitely being more conservative. And I think that one of the reasons why he's allowed to be more conservative is because he's got Holland. You know, I think he kind of takes his chances on like, it used to be like, you know, Pep's teams were like high flying and, and creating a ton of chances. And you know what I mean? And th this is not really like, the, they. I mean, Man City was the better team and completely, you know, destroyed Madrid in the second leg. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, this kind of spectacular running gun. It was like a vice. It was a vice that was getting, that was closing in slowly, <laughs> you know, um, and just cranking a little tighter yeah. each time. And, um, you know, I, I remember in the, in, 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 in last year's Champions League, which was also a semifinal between uh, Real Madrid and, and Manchester City, Manchester City would, did not know how to, how to manage the tempo of the game. Meaning like, they were so amped up to be there and they were so amped up to play against Madrid. And then they go up, they take a lead and Madrid are the, those guys are the fucking savviest. They're the fucking, you know, they've seen a million battles. They've been in yeah. tough situations. Like nothing phases them. You know what I mean? And Man City was like, holy shit, look, we're winning. We're up, we're up, you know, we're up against Madrid and we're winning. And then Madrid is just like, 
bam, 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 you know, like go, go, go. And you know what I mean? Like they just, they just, in, in this one, and I was in the, I was in the stadium in Madrid in the first leg. And I actually was quite impressed. With humble brag. And, and, what? Yeah, a little humble brag. Yeah, yeah. Was <laughs> deal. I was just, I was in the, I was in the stadium. Um, but I was quite impressed with Madrid, especially their adjustment. Ancelotti's adjustment in the second half, I thought was one of the more brilliant tactical moves I'd seen. I mean, he, but in the first half, Madrid defended really well and kind of neutralized Holland completely, like just completely took him out of the game and asked basically Rodri and Stones to beat them, right? Because Guardiola has done this thing as part of his vice grip is that he's moved up John Stones from defense into midfield, playing with three at the back for the most part, most part of the game, and then adding this extra body in midfield that kind of always gives them a numerical superiority and allows them to kind of keep, keep that vice closed. Madrid was like, sure, do it, you know? We're going to take out Holland, we're going to take out your wing players, and we're going to let those two guys try and beat us. You know what I mean? And they, they took a few shots from outside the box, but didn't, never really troubled Madrid. But Madrid was really struggling to get their game, to get their own game going. And then what Ancelotti did, which I thought was fucking brilliant, is that he actually brought back Toni Kroos, put him in between the two defenders, and then moved Luka Modric, the other midfielder, to left back, all the way to left back. And then in transition, and when Madrid got the ball, the left back, which is Camavinga, would move to the center and completely discombobulate uh, Man City's counter press. And that worked really well. And I thought Madrid probably should have won that game, and they probably yes, lost the tie by not by not winning that game. You know, especially in the second half. I mean, Madrid had their you know had them, but they just couldn't for a million reasons. Benzema is just nowhere near at the level that he was last year. He's hurt. Like you can tell, he's still hurt. He just doesn't look as brilliant. He's not making like he's not making the. They were just taking the ball from scored. him yesterday, which is just like that's not a yeah, thing that happened. No, he's he's like he's one of the best. Like he won the Ballon d'Or last year. He was the best player in the world last year, and this year he just doesn't look at the same level. And so like that's probably where the tie went. But what I was impressed by at Man City is that they were patient in the first leg. They didn't get rattled when in the past what would happen to to Man City and Pep teams is that say they Madrid punched first. They Vinicius scores that great goal. You know what I mean? Right at the end of the first half, which is a really tough place to, to concede a goal. You're going into halftime and you're like, fuck, we've just had the possession. We've had them pinned back and we're losing. You know, the mentality that Pep has instilled is one of calm. And I think that that's one of the reasons why he plays with Bernardo Silva and Jack Grealish instead of Foden and Mares, who are more exciting players, who are more electric players, yes, who are better are. scorers, who are like, but maybe they would have just like, you know, Bernardo Silva and, and Jack Grealish is like, don't get phased. Like, they have the ball at their feet. They keep it going. They keep it in possession. They circle it around. They played really conservatively. And they, they realized that if they, if they come out alive from the Bernabeu, they, they come back to, to the Etihad. And I think what happened was that Ancelotti had a good game plan in the first leg. It didn't really work out, but it was the right game plan. And I think he kind of outcoached Pep a little bit marginally. Not like he didn't, like, like yeah. outclass him or anything like that. But there was, like, a marginal kind of outcoaching and – but Pep is like the kind of guy where like you do that to me once, but like now I kind of figured it out. Yeah. And so like when Ancelotti tried to do some things in, in like Pep just had a plan to just completely annihilate everything Madrid was doing. You know what I mean? And again, without Benzema at the at the highest level, Madrid just couldn't get out. And he knew that he just had the vice grip and he was just fucking tightening it and tightening it and tightening it and tightening it. And eventually, I mean, Courtois played the game of his life. And, and conceded I mean, four goals. Some of those saves, he was incredible. Some of those saves were incredible. And like, 
you know, but eventually like the dam was going to break because uh, Ancelotti just had no adjustment. The, the same kind of adjustment that he made in the first leg, he had no answer for what, what Guardiola was doing. Again, I think that that's where Guardiola's genius really comes in. Is that like he can he is a superior chess player, especially once you've already played a game. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna figure it out. And in this in this tie, he was just able to keep his cool. And I think that even though Holland didn't score in both games, which like no one would have like I'm sure I don't know what the bet what the betting markets would have said. Mm-hmm. Like if you took a bet where Holland was gonna score no goals and Man City was gonna go through, he knows that he's such a he's such a threat and that he can score on like on anything that just kind of falls in his general vicinity that he doesn't need to overthink like the attacking tactics. Right. Really he doesn't have to design a game plan around trying to get him the ball. It's like, no, when he, he gets it, to, he'll finish it. He just wants it. to corral. He's just going to corral you back there and then hope that something kind of happens. I mean, I'm oversimplifying it. They were doing really interesting things. I mean, one of the things that they were doing differently from the first leg, which was fucking destroying Madrid. And I think Madrid should have sh- switched up their lineup from the first leg to the second leg, they should have done a few different things. I would have brought on Chua. Like, there's a million things I would have done. But one of the things that they were doing was that they were really pushing, especially Gundogan, um, was pushing it up from midfield and, and going into the box much more effectively. And that was just completely... Because what, what, what Madrid was doing was they were sandwiching Holland with their two cent, uh, center backs, with Militao and, and Alaba. And then that was leaving space between the fullbacks and the two center backs. And that's the space that Gundogan especially He's was kind of drifting into. into right. And he was completely, completely undetected and unguarded, you know. And that was just kind of causing all kinds of havoc for Madrid. Um, and they just had no adjustment for it. And they didn't have the players to really, to really kind of, even if there was a tactical adjustment to it, like the midfield that Madrid put out, which was Kroos, Modric, and Valverde, none of those guys are elite defenders. They're all like geniuses on the ball, um, especially Kroos. Um, but... But they're they're not elite. The, the defending is not their, you know, th- favorite thing to do. It's not what they were put on this earth to do, um, and that was really kind of causing them a lot of problems in order to to cover that space around Holland, around that kind of like you know, just lightning rod that is just uh, attracting all this attention, even if he's not really scoring. Yeah, they said, um, uh, like, you know, these guys just don't move as much as it's not that they don't move at all. It's just compared to what. Pep's teams did in the past. Like these guys don't move as much as these old teams. They, were, they yeah. just they just find the space because you know they got guys like Holland now who just attract so much attention and they attack it. And the last thing I want to ask you about is because I don't have really have a sense of this right any context for this. But I was listening to I think I was listening to our podcast Stadio at the Ringer. And those um, guys are fucking smart as fuck. Those guys know the their best. Shit. They're the best. Um, and um, they were talking about, I think a, a player for Sheffield was like, yo, Pep, you know, he came up to me after one match. He was like, yo, bro, you're you're dope. You could play for me. And it made the guy's fucking day. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, shit, yeah. Pep thinks I'm nice. So what is like, uh, what is your sense of what Pep's um, sort of standing in, in the game is at this point? I mean, am I a pit? I mean, he's the, the problem with Pep is that he's a fucking dick, and 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 he's oh, so annoying. he's not he's not like a him. nice personality. No, he's definitely not a nice personality, and he's also like he's also just like annoying publicly. You know what I mean? Like I'm not talking about like, his, <laughs> like he's just like he's like a whiny bitch. He's like fucking annoying, you know. And so like a lot of people who aren't 
who aren't already bought into Pep or fans of Man City or whatever, like they're constantly gunning for him because he asks for it all the time. Like he, you know what I mean? He's like, he's an annoying fucking guy. He's a fucking hypocrite. He's full of shit. You know, like all those things. Like, so that's like his problem. And that's why like everyone's gunning for him. And that's why no one, rec- no, no one likes to admit that Pep mm-hmm. is the, the greatest coach of all time. I mean, he yeah. is clearly, in my opinion, the greatest coach of all time. I mean, his numbers are insane. If you look at his coaching career, like the amount of seasons, say he's coached, I don't know, I think he started in Barcelona in 2007, I want to say, you know, 2008 was like when he started his coaching career. So that's been like, what, 15 years more or less? The number of seasons in 15 seasons that his team has been the least scored upon team in the league is something like 13. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it's just like, he's just like, I don't, I don't know the exact number, so don't quote me on it, but it's something like absurd like that. You know, he's, he's, he also like, you just, you see outside of like very pointed examples of players that didn't gel with him. You see players play the best soccer of their career mm. under Pep. Look at a guy like Raheem Sterling. Okay. Oh my Raheem God. Sterling he's was a he, nice player he, at he Liverpool. still playing football. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a fucking disaster at Chelsea. Raheem Sterling is not a disciplined guy. He's not like a guy who's like, you know, like a self-starter who like, is like, no matter what situation, he's not Jimmy Butler. You know what I mean? Right. Like. <laughs> He's, he likes, he's a fucking, you know, whatever. But Pep, like, got him, looked at him, and was like, this is what you have to do. This is why you're going to do it. And Raheem Sterling believed, and Raheem Sterling was unbelievable for many years under Pep. Like, and then he goes to Chelsea, and he just, like, sucks. You know what I mean? Terrible. Like, you see that all the time, is that players know that if they play with Pep, they have a chance to change their game completely, like, just learn completely new positions. Like, a guy like João Cancelo, who ended up, like, um, fighting with Pep and leaving the Bayern, Joe Cancelo was like not a good player. Like he's just not a good player. And then all of a sudden at Man City, Pep is like, oh, you're like this hybrid fullback midfielder guy that I can invent this new position, which is like this kind of weird hybrid football midfield uh, fullback midfielder. And all of a sudden you're going to become one of the best players in the world. And like no one would have ever predicted that that fucking guy that fucking Portuguese guy would have been anywhere near an elite player. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden Pep like finds something in him, does something creative, which is like basically invent a new position around him, you know, and turn him into one of the best in the world. Like no coaches, few coaches do that kind of thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, Bernardo Silva is another guy who has just added facets to his game that, you know, were, were just not ever present. And now he's just kind of this total footballer, even though he's small, even though he's slow, even though he's just like he's just he's so slow. Pep has like told allowed but him he's, to exploit but he's so his skilled, intelligence yeah. and skill. You know exactly. Yeah, he's exactly. He's smart. Yep. There you go. Um. And you know? yeah, the, those those bastard Man City people, not Man City, Man United people in my mentions who are like, well, he's no Sir Alex. I'm like, oh fuck off. Give me a break. He's better than Sir Alex. <laughs> I mean, Sir Alex. Sir Alex was a was a great club leader. I mean, which also Pep is also right. like Pep, like you know, he's the fucking. But Sir Alex was like had the personality and charisma to lead an entire institution as big as Man United with the millions of fans around the world. To be like the guy at the top and really kind of own that in a way that's like you know few people can do. In terms of like tactical innovations and shit like that, get out of here with Sir Alex. <laughs> get out of here. You know? Get out of here. Get out of here, you know? Sir Alex. Get we, out of here. we can get out of here on that. Um, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you become a patron at patreon.com backslash count the dings. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out.